0: Welcome, everyone, to Couch Potato Diary. Happy Friday. We come to you from the wonderful city of Calgary, downtown Calgary, more specifically. You can find me on the internet, on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. Coming up on the show today, we get ready for the NBA playoffs. Uh, we get ready for a playoff-type series in Major League Baseball. One team needed to be a bit more ready for the playoff run in the National Hockey League, and then it is a fighting Friday as we look at some of the repercussions from UFC 287 with Israel Adesanya getting his championship back. Thank you all so much for downloading. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can. And yeah, should be a fun show. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Alright, let's begin in the NBA, where tonight it is the play-in 8 seed games, the finals of the play-in, The these teams are left in the play-in round, um, it's going to be a, a very interesting day. We talked about the issues facing the two teams in the East with Miami and Chicago, where both teams kind of feel like they probably need to just blow this thing up. Out West, you have a couple of other interesting storylines. With Minnesota, they make the gigantic trade for Rudy Gobert. He then punches a teammate and is in the lineup for the biggest game they've had in about a year. And and certainly the biggest game that Rudy Gobert has played with that team. And now they are a loss away from an upstart team of having completely sold the farm and finishing ninth it is a very difficult spot for them to be in going up against an Oklahoma City Thunder team who really, this is what this is supposed to be about, right? Like this is what the plan is supposed to give you. Maybe you get a couple of veteran teams where they've had some injury issues or a team that got off to a good start and had some injury problems or a team that got off to a slow start and really came on strong late. But overall, I think one of the values of the play-in tournament is you have an opportunity to showcase some of the exciting young talent that's in this league on a national stage. And on the flip side, the young, exciting talent gets a chance to feel that spotlight. Feel what it's like to be in a win-or-go-home situation. Um, This is really, really, really what the the plan is supposed to be about. Getting someone like Shea Gilgis Alexander on that national stage and having him feel what it is like to be in the postseason. And now you have an opportunity for a market like Oklahoma City to play their way into the postseason, get a couple of postseason dates, and hopefully build some momentum. This is, to me, exactly what the play-in is supposed to do. And I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander has really, I don't want to say flown under the radar, because a lot of, like, national NBA people know how good Shea has been, but I feel like a lot of casual people really woke up to how good Shea Gilgis-Alexander really can be, And I think they have an interesting opportunity here tonight against a Minnesota Timberwolves team that is certainly limping into this 8th place game. I don't think either team has a hope in hell against the Denver Nuggets, but is there anyone outside of the Twin Cities of, um, uh, it's Minneapolis, and St. Paul and Minneapolis, isn't it? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone outside of the Twin Cities. Wow, that was great American uh, geometry. And, of course, by geometry, I mean uh, geography. Boy, I am on fire today, but we're going to keep rolling through it. Um, But I I don't know if anyone outside of Minnesota is overly excited to see the Timberwolves against the Nuggets. I think there is much more of an opportunity here to have a bit more fun, at least for four games, for the Oklahoma City Thunder to get into this one. And and so I just, I, I really feel like this is what, it's supposed to highlight and on the other side of that matchup that there was a bit of it too with Brandon Ingram getting more of his flowers after what has been an extremely frustrating situation with the New Orleans Pelicans and now where do they go with Zion Williamson i think the the number going out there is like 140 or 114 games in four seasons since being drafted as the, this all-timer superstar guy in the in the nba coming out of ncaa Um, When he is on the floor there is no question that he is one of the most talented players we have ever seen in the sport, but he's only been on the floor for about 20 games a year for four seasons and New Orleans kind of has all their hopes on that dude. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I thought it was a fun spotlight for them and now being able to potentially grow Um, That team in that way after they had a a bit of a spotlight a season ago All right, let's get into some series previews and as mentioned, we don't know all of them We know six of the eight we will find out the other two after play tonight, but let's get into um, some of these series and We will begin in the Eastern Conference as it is the number two seed Boston Celtics taking on the Atlanta Hawks Uh, The series price on this one is rather exaggerated the Boston Celtics are minus 1150 Favorites with the Atlanta Hawks. If you like them, you can get them at plus 650 right now. Um, this doesn't feel like it's going to be close. I said on the, the show earlier this week, coming out of that play-in game, Atlanta actually has a lot of weapons on offense that I kind of like, but th- there is no defense to speak of. Boston is going to annihilate them, and they're just going to be able to throw size at Trey Young. Trey Young is not going to be able to, to hide out there. I, I think that this is going to be a real. Just right ass kicking in in this series. Um there's a couple of interesting lines over at Bodog. You can get Boston um Boston to sweep plus uh t- and Tatum at 30 points per game at plus 400, that is an interesting one. Let's look at some of the actual series props. The Celtics to sweep this series is plus 240. The Celtics to win 4 games to 1 is plus 175. I think we're going to do a couple on both of those. Uh, I, I just don't see a way where Atlanta is going to be able to to come out of this one with anything more than one win so we'll, we'll do a bit of a sprinkle on on, on those ones for the um for the, the series prices also out East it is the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Philadelphia 76ers the Brooklyn Nets are significant underdogs after going into rebuild mode but still making the playoffs thanks to a really fun stretch for Mikhail Bridges the Brooklyn Nets are plus 625 while Philadelphia is minus a thousand um Sixers sweep and Joel Embiid 30 points per game is plus 300. That is interesting. One that kind of catches my eye as well is 76ers win four games to one and Embiid 30 points per game is plus 200. Um, When we look at the actual, again, series prices, it's very similar with 76ers to sweep at plus 275 and 76ers in five at plus 185 the thing that concerns me about taking the 76ers here is James Harden is clearly not healthy Joel Embiid that there is no Embiid stopper on Brooklyn right like I mean there's guys gonna win the MVP there's no Embiid stopper across the league but Claxton I think some people are kind of sleeping on him a touch and then they can just throw a bunch of size and switching and just try to make life miserable so I, I don't think Brooklyn comes back to, to win this series However, um, seeing here, Nets plus two and a half in in this series. So if they push it to a game six, you you are winning that bet. I kind of like it. So we're going to go uh, Brooklyn Nets plus two and a half. In this series. So that's games one. So obviously, four games to one, we lose that bet. Four games to two, we end up winning that bet. So we're cheering for a sixth game between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. We just need Brooklyn to win twice. I think they can do that. Hey, we, we've seen Philadelphia be a little bit underwhelming in the postseason before. The last series. In the East, that is set, is the New York Knicks taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers? I've been going back and forth on this series. I have concerns about Randall being out at the start of it, and so that concerns me. Um, I think rather greatly, but the 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 schedule is set up. Like they play, I think it's Saturday then Tuesday, then Friday. So there's a very real chance Randall is going to be playing very early on in this series. And then it is so even between these two teams. This is going to be such a fun series. We saw the Knicks kind of collapse in the postseason a couple of years ago. I think that they have learned from that experience personally. And so I think looking at this now from uh, a New York Knickerbockers perspective, um, I... I I do worry, again, about Randall's health, and even if he plays, how impactful is he going to be? Um, Donovan Mitchell got absolutely schooled by Brunson a year ago. I think there's going to be a little bit more to, to Mitchell's game this time around, especially defensively. I think he was totally checked out of Utah at that point, which you can question because it's the playoffs, but still... I, I do think that Donovan Mitchell is going to have a bigger impact in this series. I like Randall, I like Brunson, but there's just more pieces on Cleveland that I like. I do think the Cavaliers end up getting the, the job done in this series. There isn't really, uh, cause just absolutely calling it Cavaliers plus 400 doesn't really seem like the, the best odds there. You get Cleveland minus a game and a half in this series. That feels like a good one. So they, they win it before seven. Even that. I, I just... I don't think that there is a, a good value play at any point in this series. So Cleveland, New York is a stay away. And you probably just get the... Uh, probably just take this one game by game moving out west such an interesting matchup the sacramento kings taking on the golden state warriors the warriors are the sixth seed but they are minus 275 favorites going up against the sacramento team that is plus 225 as the underdogs there are a whole lot of ways that this is A whole lot of fun. Um, You have a Sacramento team, first time since 2006 they have been in the postseason, so not the most experienced of bunches. Um, Bunch of players, sorry. (laughs) Or of bunches. You have a Golden State team that has limped down the stretch and has just kind of fallen into this sixth seed and were precariously close to having to go play in the play-in. They do get Wiggins back. How does he factor back into this? is going to be interesting. Also, this team was historically bad on the road this season, and Sacramento is going to be nuts for this series. I think there is value in just taking Sacramento at plus 225, but one of the ones that I think is really interesting in this, um in this series, is taking Sacramento to win Game 1 and Golden State to win this series. That one pays at plus 210. I think the Warriors get the job done, but they have struggled on the road. That hornquote advantage for Sacramento on Saturday is going to be bananas. So that's the, the, the official play that we're going to do. We're going to sprinkle a little bit on the value of Sacramento plus 225. I do think Golden State goes on to end up winning this series, but I do not believe that strongly enough to to put anything down on them uh, aside from tying it with a a Sacramento Kings play the Memphis Grizzlies taking on the LA Lakers the Grizzlies the two seed are just minus 140 under or uh, favorite sorry going up against LeBron James and the Lakers at plus 120 there's a lot of momentum going into this on the Lakers side and I understand where people are coming from for that they have LeBron James 80 is healthy they, LeBron has been pretty well rested over the last little bit before playing a couple of games down the stretch. Um, with the trades that they have made, this team, I think, fits a whole lot better. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Memphis and what they are able to do, specifically defensively. I think this is going to be a real grind of a series, and so I think there is value in just taking Memphis with the um, minus 140. You look at the, the, the series prices... Memphis minus a game and a half. So again, we'd have to win this one in six games. Memphis minus a game and a half is plus 170. I think that's going to be the play that we make. I think this Memphis team is still really good. And I think people are just kind of caught up in the moment that is the LA Lakers, And lastly, it is the Phoenix Suns taking on the LA Clippers. The Phoenix Suns are minus 525 favorites, while the Clippers come in at plus 375 as the underdog in this series. No Paul George at the beginning of this series, and probably for no points in this series, is going to be a real challenge for the Clippers. Um, Paul, uh, Kawhi Leonard, sorry, against Kevin Durant is going to be a fun, fun, fun matchup in this one and kind of harken back for us Raptor fans to, to 2019 where Kawhi did get the better of KD in that one. But the the supporting cast for KD versus the, su- the supporting cast for the LA Clippers, it's just not comparable. I think the, the Suns actually win this one rather handily and it looks like the odds makers are, are kind of... In line with that, um, even just to get Suns in six is plus 400 right now, you're looking at minus 220 for the, the Suns at um, at minus a game and a half in this series. So unfortunately, we have no value in this series whatsoever, but we, we have a few fun plays in the, uh, the postseason picks. So that is what we are rolling with. There. Uh, Just quickly, a frustrating series loss for the Blue Jays as they fall to the Detroit Tigers um, in the the last two games after a a real fun home opener. The bats just go a little bit quiet. I I think there is a lot to be taken from a dominant start from Kevin Gosman and they just didn't get the hits that they needed. And Chris Bassett looked a little bit better in in his next outing. But now comes the test that this is the series that we were kind of geared up for. It is the Blue Jays taking on the Tampa Bay Rays who are 13-0 coming into this one. This is going to be the litmus test, I think, to see where Toronto is. I I think everyone needs to be focused and like this isn't going to be, oh yeah, well, let's see And it's early. I I want this to be a a serious effort to really see where this team is at this early in the season. And quickly in the NHL. It turned into a bit of a jokey thing and I think Montreal wildly overreacted to the EBUG, emergency backup goalie, getting brought into the game for the last minute to give him an NHL moment. I think the, the the Habs were kind of babies on that one. I have more of a problem with what Toronto did with their roster at the end of the year than I ever had with any kind of cap circumvention with Nikita Kucherov coming out of the lineup or with... um. Uh, the whatever the Vegas Golden Knights were trying to do around the, the salary cap or whatever Chicago did at different points too. Like I, to me, that is perfectly allowed, right? And look, I mean, th- they did it, so all this was allowed as well. But but to me, like they were still Tampa Bay and Vegas were still able to get to the point they needed to get to in. Um, in getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs while still fielding a competitive roster. They just didn't have their main guy. Get, they get their main guy back and fine. But I, I think people were really overreacting to Tampa Bay putting themselves at a disadvantage by not having one of the top goal scorers and top playmakers in the league in Nikita Kucherov. Um, I thought, look, they had an unfair advantage. They didn't have Kucherov all year. Like, eh, I think you're going to need to do better than that. But for Toronto... At least with those other teams, they were able to field competitive rosters. For the Leafs to be in such a roster and salary cap situation that they couldn't even bring in two of their own goalies on a consistent basis, emergency backup goalie is supposed to be just that, an emergency. It's supposed to be if someone gets hurt. You you have healthy goaltenders, in your organization, you should have been able to deploy them. Um, but given roster constraints and given cap and whatever the hell, they, they weren't able to do it. I have more of a problem with that than anything cap circumvention anyone else was doing because those teams are still able to field competitive rosters. It was fun. It was neat. I'm not going to, to say they need to adjust the CBA on it. I understand I'm being a little bit old man yells at cloud, but I, I just thought, it was, oh, isn't this funny? It's like, no, this is a little embarrassing for a professional sports league. All right, that is enough rambling about those. It's now time for a Fightin' Friday. Some of the music on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Order is restored in the UFC's middleweight division as Israel Adesanya is back as the middleweight champion with a win over Alex Pereira in the second round at 421, the first time he has beaten Pereira in now four tries in between um, the mixed martial arts world and the world of kickboxing. Not a whole lot technical to say. You have one of the top strikers in the history of the world who gets a knockout win. He is very good at that. But when you look now at the middleweight division with Pereira, it was a number of different matchups that you could kind of roll with, right? Like you had an opportunity now, some fresh matchups because Israel Adesanya has kind of cleared everyone out. Um, But now Adesanya has won and you look at the uh, UFC rankings now, Pereira is number, number one. It sounds like he's going to be moving to the light heavyweight division. Robert Whitaker is two. We've established that one. Marvin Vittori is three. We've established that one. Um, you have Jared Cannoneer at number four. A, no one's clamoring for that fight. B, we've established that one. Israel Adesanya won that fight as well. Paulo Costa is five. No one cares. And we figured that one out. Is he even still in the UFC? Um, Drikas duplicius is number six. Sean Strickland, seven. Derek Brunson, eight. Like... You see where this is going nobody cares um Israel Adesanya has cleared this division out aside from this little detour that we got to take with Pereira winning the the championship and so unless you want to sell that Israel Adesanya is a bit more vulnerable after tasting defeat for the first time so yeah Robert Whitaker should get a third title fight um against Israel Adesanya. Maybe you can convince us that Marvin Vittor... No, you can't. That that one is all the way done. I don't know why he hasn't moved up to 205 pounds yet. The only one that is even remotely intriguing is the thought of Hamzat uh, Shemaev moving up from 170 pounds to 185 pounds after missing weight so terribly in, um, in his last bout. He needs to win at least one fight in the middleweight division to get that opportunity. So you do create at least somewhat of an intriguing fight with Hamzad against Israel Adesanya, but the UFC has a problem with Izzy right now, and that's there's no one for him to fight. Because I don't think anyone's going to take him seriously if he moves up to 205 pounds. Jan Blachowicz pretty well dominated him at, at 205. Um, now, could Izzy get a win against uh, Jamal Hill? Yeah, maybe. Yuri Prohochka? Possibly. Magomed Ankalaev? Wouldn't favor him, but he could. Like, there are fights where it's like, okay, but if you're Israel Adesanya, I don't know if you want to take that risk again after losing in the the division you've been so dominant in for a while. And I, I just, I don't think the UFC wants to see their middleweight champion lose in that fashion one more time. So it, it's, it feels like order is restored, seeing Israel Adesanya with the belt on his shoulder once again. But it does kind of seem like it kind of kills the rest of the division, if you will. Um, and so it's like, okay, this is great. Um, now, 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 what? Moving on to this weekend's UFC card. Uh, I believe they are in Kansas City. Did I read that right? Yes, they are at Kens in Kansas City, Missouri, where in the main event it'll be Max Holloway taking on Arnold. Alan, uh for Max Holloway, he is coming off of a loss in his last bout, I believe, yes, a loss in his last bout where he lost to Alexander Volkanovsky for the third time in... Uh, how long ago was that? 2019. So the third time in three years. He has lost to Alexander Volkanovski, this time by unanimous decision, after a split decision loss in 2020 and unanimous decision loss in 2019. He is taking on an interesting prospect at 145 pounds, and that would be Arnold Allen, who is 29 years old, out of Ipswich, England. Um... 5'9", 145 pounds, has fought at lightweight, has fought at bantamweight, currently fighting at featherweight. Uh, he returned to, the, to featherweight when he came into the Ultimate Fighting Championship in 2015. This guy's been in the UFC since 2015, but is now just starting to get his shine. You can see why it's been a bit of a slower development. One fight in 15, one fight in 16, one fight in 17, one fight in 18. Gets a couple in 2019, one in 20, one in 21, and now coming off of two huge... Huge wins in 2022 where he beat Calvin Cater and he beat Dan Hooker. Um, It feels like these are two ships passing in the night. You have... Uh, again, Allen, who has picked up a couple of wins, he has knocked out Calvin Cater with a knee injury, but still knocked him out, and knocked out Dan Hooker with punches and elbows going the more traditional route. Bunch of decisions after that, but it does feel like Arnold Allen is kind of coming into his own, and for Max Holloway, you don't really have a championship at the end of the rainbow. What really are you fighting for now, if you are Max Holloway? I get you're fighting to not get fucking punched in the face, so, like, that would inspire most. Um... I I think it is, I think it's an intriguing fight, and I think it's one where the the younger fighter has an opportunity to to really make quite a bit of noise um, in this bout. We'll we'll get to that now in today's ticket. And there's actually a few of those fights on this card in the co-main event. It is Edson Barbosa against Billy Quarantillo out of Ransomville, New York. This is another one. A couple of like not as impressive, the resume. Uh, Losses to Shane Burgos and Gavin Tucker, sandwiched between wins against Kyle Nelson, Gabriel Benavidez, and most recently, Alexander Hernandez at UFC 282. Edson Barbosa, not the the fighter he once was, with one of the most devastating knockouts in history. Still, one of the more skilled strikers that you will see, but he has lost five of his last seven fights, and it feels like the end is certainly coming up on Edson Barbosa. You have Ion Kuntelaba on this card against Tanner Bosser, an, an interesting... I will always watch when Kuntelaba is fighting. And you have um, Clay Guida going up against Hafa Garcia in the lightweight division. So you have a few fights where it is a younger fighter going up against a more experienced one, going with a little bit of pro wrestling, see if we can get the vet to put the young kids over. So it's an intriguing fight card. We will talk all about it now um, with a, a couple of plays maybe on this one coming up on today's Ticket. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learn history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week, wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, we have a lot on today's ticket for you all here today. Um let's begin with our basketball series plays. So, how many do we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six series plays um, in basketball for you all here. First, we are going to go with the Celtics to win their series. Either Four games to none or four games to one. Uh, We are going to go with the Brooklyn Nets plus two and a half in their series spread against the Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to go Sacramento straight up just to win their series against Golden State at plus 225. We're going to go Kings to win this series um, series and win game one at... uh, Oh, sorry having a computer issue right now. Um yeah, Sacramento to win this game, win game 1 and win the series at plus 210 and we are going with the Memphis Grizzlies minus a game and a half against the LA Lakers. Uh that is paying out plus 170. Five. So those are our series bets. They have been placed. Um, now let's go back over to some of the other stuff that we are looking at. Uh, for the Ultimate Fighting Championship coming up this Saturday, there's a few on this card that I will have my eye on. We're going to go Arnold Allen. He is the underdog, a plus 156 at cool bet. We are going to sprinkle a little bit on there. Uh, we like that one. Bobby... Or Sorry, Billy Quarantillo at minus 155 against Edson Barbosa. We're going to go with that one as well. No value in Hafa Garcia against Clay Guida. Um, Ion Kuntelaba, a slight favorite against Tanner Bosser. We're going to go with that one as well. And on the prelims, also Jillian Robertson going up against Piero Rodriguez. Robertson, a slight underdog at plus 140. I like that for her. We're going to go with that one as well. Moving into the more traditional stick and ball type of sports. Um, tonight, it is the Chicago Bulls taking on the Miami Heat. We're going to go Chicago, plus five and a half against the Heat, as well as taking the under at, my, or at uh, 208 and a half. In, uh, is that it for? Ba- oh no, we also have in basketball tonight the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're going plus five and a half with a bit of a sprinkle on Oklahoma City to win this game straight up at minus one 80. also on Saturday we are going with Brooklyn taking on the Philadelphia 76ers don't see a whole lot of value in actually betting the game we're going to go over rebounds for Joel Embiid at uh, over 11 and a half that is paying out at plus 105 on the line for us tonight if Colorado wins then we cash our Central Division winner for the the Avalanche there so that is going to be a a nice little win for us at plus 650. We're also going to get uh the Carolina Hurricanes Metropolitan Division winner in season win that one got locked up the other day so that's going to be credited to us very shortly. Moving into the world of baseball I think the Yankees bounce back tonight against the Twins uh that one is minus one and a half I think they do that I'm just going to fade the Red Sox for a while, so we're going to go Angels, minus 1.5 in that game, and we're going to go Mets, minus 1.5 against Oakland, who truly sucks. Um, That one is going to be our play there. That minus 1.5 is at stake. Um, oh, and we also have Sacramento Moneyline against Golden State at minus 110. So a lot of plays on today's ticket. Normally we do the summary. I'm not going to go through all of those. Again, I feel like that went too long anyway. Thank you all so much for tuning in, for downloading, and for listening. We will get back to regularly scheduled programming next week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Follow me on social media at Klein, on Twitter and Instagram. Hoping to be on Twitch a little bit later on today, and I'll talk to you all later.